0: says i am i have what it says i have i can do what it says i can do i boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive i will never be the same again in jesus name amen Uh, really quick test here who can tell me what chapter book and chapter the bible is the ten commandments just raise your hand don't say it raise your hand if you know ten commandments we have one. We have one. Anybody? Anybody? we got two, three, four, five, four, five, ten. I'm going for ten. Six, seven. I need three more. Eight. I'm not preaching nine until we get one more. If you want to know, just raise your hand. Okay. <clears throat> Where is it found, guys? Exodus chapter 20. Would you turn there with me? Exodus chapter 20. I want to read one, one verse. I just want to show you really quick before we, uh, before we do this. Um, would you just look at the stage, at the screen for a second? In the next month, no, show the screen, the, uh, the stage, Jeff. We'll do this in a minute. In the next month, we are going to be doing a transformation on the stage, uh, going to be updating. And uh, that will be a picture of what the stage will look like. The center part will be rock. And we'll have two wood walls going up. And um, and then we'll have lighting coming down and lighting from the side. So uh, just be praying into that. The next month, we're kind of excited about the transformation at the front that will take place. And um, a little later in the year, you're going to be hearing about some other things that will be happening in the building. But uh, just keep that in your prayer as we, as we put that together. Thank you, Jeff. Exodus chapter 20 want to read one verse out of the Ten Commandments. Verse 13, four words, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again that when you placed your spirit inside of us, that you said he would be there in order to teach us, to give us understanding, to open our eyes, our ears, our heart, to comprehend things that the mind and the heart of the flesh never could. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have pulled back the veils. You've given us revelation that has changed our lives in so many ways. You have taught us about those things that are coming so that we can be prepared. You take the Word of God and you open it up in a way that we can understand it and be transformed by it. Holy Spirit, we want to say thank you. Thank you. We could not do this without you. And this morning, Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you that you have prepared every heart, every mind under the sound of my voice, those in this room, those on the internet, you have prepared them to receive what you are going to sow into every heart and mind here today. Before we begin, Holy Spirit, I invite you again to take literal possession of me, my mind, my mouth. Would you flow through me? I only want to say what I hear you say. With the authority that you have given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic bird, every interfering spirit. I command you now to loose off every person and be outside the walls of this building in Jesus' name. I declare as this seed is sown, there will be no hard ground, no thorny soil, no... Rocky soil, I declare, fertile soil in every heart under the sound of my voice. And by faith, I say thank you for what you're going to do today. We believe that because of your word, we will never be the same again. Giving you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I don't know how many of you are aware, but we are living in a day-to-day where there are some things that are happening that have never happened in world history before. This past week, I'm not sure if you watched the news, I'm not sure if you were aware of on the internet, but something took place in the United States of America that has never happened in the history of America. We have not seen it in the nation of Canada. In fact, we have seen the opposite in the nation of Canada. We'll talk about that in a bit. But this past week, the President of the United States, being the first president in U.S. history, what did he do? He walked in a pro life rally. The first president ever to leave the White House, find the pro life rally, join himself in the march, and declare that I am an ambassador for life. The first ever. We could list off a pile of presidents that are famous, a pile of presidents who claim to be believers. We know a pile of them were Masons. We know that. But this past week, the world witnessed something it has never experienced before. The single dominant world leader marching for life. When Jane and I took the time, and I'm not sure how many of you watched His speech at that rally, when Jane and I took the time and watched that speech, as soon as we were done, we said, we need to show that in church. Every person needs to see this. And so this morning, we are going to listen to it. How many of you have heard it already? Watched it from beginning to end? Yeah, about seven of you, so good you're here this morning. We're going to watch a historic event that no one has witnessed before. I just want to say again, I I believe it is an honor and a privilege to be alive during these days with all that's going on in the world, with all that's coming together. I I believe that we are the generation that God has chosen to be alive for a very specific reason. We'll talk about that another time. I want to ask your forgiveness before we begin because last week I announced that today we were going to be talking about one of my favorite areas, and that's about hearing the Lord. And uh, I just want to ask your forgiveness. We'll pick that up next week. Uh, We won't forget about it, but this past week, the Holy Spirit just arrested me and said, we need to focus on something different because we've experienced something different. So I'm going to invite you to turn your attention. We have prayed that the Holy Spirit would take the words that we're going to hear and actually allow us to understand them and hear them and be changed by it. I've got to tell you, I talked to someone this past week who watched this and he was a grown man in his 60s, and he said, when I watched that message and listened to it, he goes, I was in tears. He goes, I was just in tears. I would encourage you, if there is any hardness inside of you, and you know if it's there, I just encourage you to speak to that hardness right now and declare, somebody prayed yesterday at men's group, and it was powerful. They prayed, God, take this hard heart and turn it soft again into a heart that is like flesh and receptive. I believe in these days that that we need that as the body of Christ, soft hearts to receive. I will tell you, uh, if you're like me, what I heard left me silenced in awe. I was was absolutely impacted. To hear the most powerful world leader say what you're going to hear him say. I said yesterday at men's group, it made me want to be American. I'm Canadian, I'm staying it, but it made me want to be American. To stand with what he stood for yesterday. Would you watch? Well, what's your first response? That was church. That was church. Let's close in prayer, shall we? Really quickly, any thoughts before I share a few things? Any, anything coming out of that you just want to comment on? God is no respecter of countries. If he can do it there, he can do it anywhere. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Anybody else? Just a comment? Yeah, Ken. I just want to say to you, and I um, was listening to a, a talk by um, Jan Markell and Jack Hibbs last night. And he made a comment. Somebody asked a question. And they said, why is it that Trump is hated so greatly by the left? Why is he hated so greatly? And so they were talking and they said, you know, it's not because of his hair. It's not because he tweets. It's not even because he is the most pro-Israel president that has ever been in White House. White, white, white ho- that, that is not even it. It's not even because he's a nationalist instead of a globalist. They made the statement and said, the number one reason why they believe he is hated the greatest by the Dems is because of his pro-life stance. Some of us are very aware that in 1972, Canada changed its law, opened the door for legalized abortion under Morgenthaler, we know the name. 1973 is when America had the Roe versus Wade, and their laws opened up the door for abortion. Canada beat them by a year. What a shame. But in the first week of power, in January of 2017, first week of power, one of the first presidential orders that Trump put into place was legislation that stopped all of U.S. funding from going all over the world into international countries. The United States was funding abortions All across the globe in unprecedented numbers, he wrote a sign that said, No more American money to kill babies around the world. You want to talk about a left demonized child killing spirit rising up, going, What do we have here? That was just the beginning. How many of us you have ever heard of planned parenthood 1.3 billion dollar industry it is a nonprofit 1.3 billion dollar a year industry 550 million dollars coming from the government to fund abortions in America the president of the United States signs an order that said no more federal funding for abortions to Planned Parenthood. You want to talk about a blow to the murder machine that has been going on. You want to talk about, in the unseen demonic realm, a hatred, a hatred for someone who stands against the killing of the unborn when this industry has been Free-flowing, open door, government funding, legislation changing, do it more and more. And why? Let me give you a couple reasons. Number one is because a globalist agenda wants to reduce the world population. They believe there's too many on the earth. So if you can take them out in the womb, it is better for the world. What is the second reason? Why, why is abortion, why is the industry of abortion so huge today? Why is it? And I want to say it really carefully. There is a harvesting, you know that, a harvesting of the umbilical cords, a harvesting of the unborn children, where they take the cells, and where do they put them? Skin creams, lotions, food, stem cell the harvesting of the unborn is a huge medical industry I want to say it for the sake of the internet but the reality is much of the church is using what's been harvested without even knowing it I need to share a couple things with you before we get to the end where we go what, what do we do um, how, many of you, how many of you know what Title X was? He made the statement and said, Title, ne- Title X. Anybody know what that is? Anybody? Okay. Just, I won't write it down. Just, would you just write down Title X? It was a ruling in the United States that said the administration... Empowered medical clinics to refer women, young girls coming in pregnant, to refer them to abortion clinics in order to deal with the inconvenience of pregnancy. Government sanctioned, fully empowered. When Trump came in, he changed that and he said the administration rules prohibiting it is against the law for any medical clinic for any doctor for any nurse it is illegal in the United States for them to refer people women to have abortions in one legislation one signing of a signature that entire changed tell me what that would do to the demonic realm I want to tell you and you 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 know this, you've heard it. I'm not sure how you where you are. There is state after state after state under now the leadership of a president who is pro-life that is beginning to change their laws in order to push back the abortion laws and to begin to move in pro-life. Under a president they're able to do that. Under the past administration they could not. Everything went the other way. Who knows which state in the United States is the most pro-life anti-abortion state in the United States? Anybody tell me which it is? Anybody know? Huh? Georgia, you're you're close. <clears throat> Alabama. I want to uh I want to I want to Alabama. Uh can I, can I just say this? Which, uh, which governor is pushing to pass law that children who are born and unwanted can be killed after birth? Which, which, which state again? Virginia. Okay, Virginia is pushing for after birth what they call abortion. Okay, that's Virginia. They talked about um, at birth right before birth, right before natural birth, which state has actually made it into law, and there's a number of them now, which state has put it into law that right up until birth, minutes before birth, a child can be killed and there is no legal consequence. It is considered abortion. Which one that did that? New York. Exactly right. There are other states that are pushing for that. Um... Can anybody tell me at what point in the womb does a child feel pain? A little longer. A little longer. They say that when a child enters the beginning of the third trimester, and how many is that? About 26 weeks. All the studies say that a child inside the womb can feel pain. Some of them are pushing back legislation to get it to the place where abortion now comes to the point where if it happens before they feel pain, that it's okay. There are some who are pushing even farther. We've all heard of this. What's it called? The heartbeat legislation. There are those who are pushing and saying that before a child has a heartbeat, they can be aborted and there is no life. It requires a heartbeat in order for there to be life. Can anybody tell me when the heartbeat first shows up In a child? Five to six weeks. Five to six weeks. What you need to recognize is that there is a movement under this president where what has been going in this direction, there is a movement to push back over to this place. Let me ask you, as believers, when do we believe life begins? Conception. Let me just make this really clear. We believe that the moment two cells come together and form, we believe that is the beginning of life. Can I just say this to you? There is a pile of birth control products out on the market today that wait until after the cells come together, they attach themselves to the uterine wall, the medication comes, disrupts the uterine wall, pulls that off the wall, and then expels it days, sometimes weeks after it has already been growing. They're called birth control. It's not stopping, which a lot of young people believe that when they take this, it stops the cells from coming together and forming. It doesn't stop it. It waits till it happens. It attaches, begins the process, then rips it off the wall and expels it. All of our grocery stores, all of our drug stores, they sell those products. There is one state, Alabama... And they have made a decision now. Their governor is probably one of the strongest pro life governors of any state in the United States. They passed legislation that said it is illegal for any person in the state of Alabama to have an abortion after conception. They have even gone so far as to say if someone gets pregnant as a result of rape, that is no reason for an abortion. If someone gets pregnant as a result of incest, that is no reason for abortion. The state of Alabama has said there is only one reason why a child should be expelled from a mother's womb, and that is if that mother's life is in jeopardy, they will expel the child in order to save the mother's life. That is the only reason. In the state of Alabama, does anybody know the penalty for any doctor or any health care provider providing abortion to a person in the state of Alabama. Does anybody know? How many years in jail? 10-year jail sentence for any person in Alabama assisting with an abortion. We are all very aware of Roe versus Wade, the law that opened up the door for abortion in America. Can I just say to you that it is possible that in our lifetime, in these next few years, it is possible that we may see the undoing of the Roe versus Wade decision. We may see the Supreme Court vote to make abortion illegal in America. We may see all of the government funded killing of unborn children come to a complete halt as they stand for the life of the unborn. I don't, know, I don't know if you catch the significance of that. That would be absolutely world-shaking. When I was doing some research on this, I want to tell you there were some things that just absolutely astounded me. Uh, statistics, they say, show that one in three women in America have had an abortion. One in three women in America have had an abortion. They say worldwide rate, they say one in every four pregnancies in the world today end in abortion. One of every four pregnancies end in abortion. It is estimated that 25 million unsafe abortions every year take place. I found this to be one of the most ironic statements I read in all of this. It said unsafe abortions can have fatal consequences. Let me say it again. Unsafe abortions can have fatal consequences. I felt like writing back and saying every successful abortion has fatal consequences. I want you to hear from the pro-choice side, I want you to hear their three main arguments why they push for abortion. And I just just want to say this to you so, so you know it. Number one, the number one reason they give, they say if women are not allowed to have abortions, they will resent the child that they give birth to. The number one reason. Number two, They say if women are not allowed to have abortions, it will drive women to have illegal abortions. And then they talk about all that could happen with illegal backyard, back alley. And so in order to prevent that, let's make it legal. We know what's happening in Canada right now. In order to prevent drug users from getting infections, from using a needle more than once, what has the government of Canada decided to do? Give them safe zones where the government of Canada will provide clean needles where they can go and be junkies at the expense of Canada. The third reason is this they say it is a basic human health care need to be able to provide abortion. It is a basic health care need. And then I gotta tell you, they made this statement and said not just women need abortion need abortions, not just women. It caught my attention. Not just women need abortion. But intersex individuals need abortion. Transgender men and boys, which means young girls and women who have had sex changes and are now so-called men, because biologically they get pregnant. When they get pregnant, the crisis it creates for them as a man to be pregnant and give birth is so great, it demands abortion to keep their gender identity secure. And then it said other gender identities that have reproduction capacity. Can I just ask you, what kind of a day are we living in? As I was going through all this stuff, one of the thoughts that went through me is, I could hardly imagine 50 some years ago, my mom and dad, with their upbringing, their church, their conservative background, all of that, sitting down and listening to all of this stuff going on. I, it would have been like listening to Martian, how things have changed in that period of time. Name me the two judges that have been put into place under Trump's term that they are now in a position to overturn Roe versus Wade with one more appointment of a conservative judge. What are the names? He mentioned them on the show, on the, uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. Can I just encourage you, if the Holy Spirit ever brings those names to mind, pray for them. Pray for those men. They are in a position to make decisions that have the ability to affect millions and millions of lives. They crucified them. They crucified them. Did everything in their power so they would not get in. Neil Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, and Brent Kavanaugh. I want you to know um, that since January, between January 1 and May 15 of 2019, there were 42 abortion restrictions. That were enacted in the United States. There were 42. What you need to hear again is that the movement is going this way instead of under liberal leadership going the other way. There is a sense right now that in the United States, this is the first possibility ever for the United States to be in a position of having abortion illegal in the US and to be a world leader to affect the nations. Can I just say this to you? Do you realize that Donald Trump, when he made a statement he enacted, not only did he withdraw funding to provide international abortion, but he has made it so any country around the world that receives government funding for anything economically, they are not allowed to teach, they are not allowed to counsel, they are not allowed to present abortion as an option in that country, even though they're not providing funding, even though funding is coming from other countries to give abortion, he goes, if any of those countries promote abortion, they will withdraw international funding from the United States of America. Does money talk? I don't know how many of you, when he made the statement and said that in the United States of America, every college... They have enacted law that every college has freedom of speech, allows young people to be pro-life, allows religious groups to be pro-life. He allows that. And if those colleges do not allow that, they will pull all of their government funding. What is his statement? There would be a powerful, huge economic. And he goes, none of them want to experience that. I think sometimes in sleepy cameras, we can lose sight of what's going on in the world. the Holy Spirit is moving, changing history, undoing what the enemy has done. Decisions that are saving millions and millions of lives. One of my prayers as I was going through this was, oh Jesus, would you make our Prime Minister the best friend of Donald Trump. The contrast kept going through my mind as our Prime Minister was the first Prime Minister who went and marched in a pro-gay pride rally the first Prime Minister of Canada to do that our Prime Minister marching on this side the President of the United States marching on this side the Grand Canyon couldn't be wider I want to just leave you with one thing today would you just write on the top of your bulletin and I I would like you to write this down I'd like you to just write the question what can we do What can we do? I'll tell you straight up, the vast majority in the body of Christ, in the church, even in this church, the vast majority will do nothing. Let's just get that straight out. We will do nothing. But there are those, there are those who when they see a strength rise, when they see a people's voice rise, when they see the ability for the Holy Spirit and the church to undo what has been done, they might get caught in that and go, maybe my voice makes a difference. Maybe my life can change things. There may be a Martin Luther King Jr. somewhere. What can we do? I will tell you the straight first. It seems trite, but it's not. The first thing we can do is pray. I don't want you to raise your hand. If you have... the whole legislation for the unborn on your prayer list. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to raise your hand. If I asked you if that has never been part of your prayer life, I don't want you to expose yourself. All I want to do is allow the Holy Spirit to capture your heart and go, as a believer, if all I did, believing there's power in the prayer of a righteous person, maybe the prayers of the Church of America made a difference a few years ago. And maybe the prayers of a church in Canada could make a difference. And as Gene said, if it could be undone there, it could be undone anywhere. Coming out of last week, would you write down number two? Would you just write down, believe and declare? We might even have to believe that it's possible for all this to be undone and after that go to the Lord and say Father is this your heart it's a mute question and say Father what do you want me to begin declaring as a child of God who has a prophetic voice believing life and death is in the power of the tongue what do you want me to begin declaring for the undoing of what has happened in our nation would you write down number three would you write down be informed be informed in some areas there is much ignorance in the body of Christ we don't want to know and if we know we don't want to know. And if we hear it, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to interfere with what's going on in our life. We don't want to interfere with our coffee times. We don't want to interfere with our, our, our good experience. We we don't want to. It's just Can I encourage you, be informed. Would you write down number four? Be led by the Holy Spirit. This is very generic but very specific. When the Holy Spirit speaks, would you write down number five? Can anybody tell me when a letter is written to an MP or an MLA, when a letter is written, when they receive those letters, can anybody tell me from their perspective, they believe one letter represents how many citizens? One thousand. They believe every letter that comes in represents a thousand unspoken citizens. If somebody takes the time to write a letter, they go, a thousand people are speaking, we better respond. Could I just ask you for a moment? Look around this room, we're, we're almost a hundred in here. Can I ask you, if a hundred wrote a letter that represented a thousand, what would that be to our MP, to our MLA? What, what would that represent? Can you imagine a hundred thousand? Responses showing up on someone's desk, going, maybe this is on people's radar. And when a letter never comes, it's not on the radar. So if it's not on their radar, is it going to be on this radar? How many of you have ever signed a petition for anything? How many of you have never signed a petition for anything? How many of you, petitions scare you? How many of you look for them? You know, petitions used to be something that were a lot bigger back in days because people believed that if more names were on there, that it it, it had some weight. Somehow that's been lost. I wonder if our prime minister received a petition that had 5 million signatures on it saying that we want our abortion laws changed, we believe in pro-life. I wonder if 5 million signatures would actually speak. I wonder. Would you write down another one? Would you write down, be available? when I was 20 years of age I had the opportunity to speak at a Pentecostal Bible camp Birch Bay Ranch while I was there for the summertime got to know a lot of the young people about a year and a half after I left I got a phone call from one of the high school girls that was there she phoned me and she said Colin I wasn't a pastor yet she goes Colin she goes I'm pregnant she goes mom and dad go to a church I won't name the church in Sherwood Park mom and dad go to that church they are wanting me to have an abortion. I don't want to have an abortion, but they said I cannot live with them, that I'm too much of a shame on them. They do not want me to come to the church. It is too much shame for the church. She goes, Colin, she goes, what do I do? I'll tell you what I did. I needed to pray about it because I'm, I'm not that quick of a thinker and I'm not quite as smart as God, so I need to just Pull back a bit and tuck into God and go, God, you got some strategy that I don't have. I said I would phone you back. I said, Let me let me pray, but I'll phone you back. I went and I began spending time in prayer. The Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what he laid upon my heart. I made a phone call to my mom and dad that afternoon. I was the youngest child, so I was gone from home. Mom and dad were living in Westlock. They had nobody there. I phoned my mom and dad. I explained the situation. I said, Would you guys talk about and pray whether or not you would take this young girl into your home until she has a baby? is able to put it up for adoption and let her go back to her parents and her church with no shame. That day they prayed about it, talked about it. I got a phone call that evening. They said, when are you going to bring her out? You got to get this. This is my mom and dad. This is conservative. This is, this is, routine is so deep it's a rut. This, this is, that weekend I went and picked up that young teenager I drove her out to Westlock, a place she'd never been, introduced her to my mom and dad that she'd never seen before. I was the only link. That young girl got settled into that home. That young girl was enrolled in school in Westlock because she was in grade 12. They re-enrolled her in school. My mom and dad drove her everywhere she needed to go. My mom and dad took her to the clinic to have checkups for the baby. My mom and dad fed her. My mom and dad looked after her. My mom was with her in the hospital when she had her baby because her parents absolutely abandoned too much shame to be with their daughter during this period of time. That's what Christians do, don't you know? My mom was there as she held the baby, as the social people came in, as they took the baby. They had found a place for adoption in a beautiful Christian home. My mom and dad were there when she came back, took the time to heal and do all that she needed to do after birth before she was able to go back to her mom and dad's again. All the shame had disappeared because now her stomach was flat again and she could now re-engage in her Christian world. I had a thought in that moment and it's like, if my mom and dad do this, anybody could do this. The truth is, most of us in the church don't want to get involved, don't want our hands dirty, don't want the expense, the cost, can I just tell you one other beautiful thing about my mom and dad? I don't know how much it cost them financially. I know what it did time-wise, emotion, all that other. I'd said to my mom and dad, I said, you know what? I said, there's some people, If just let us know how much it is, and we'll, we'll help pay for her. You don't have to. By the end of it, when they fell in love with that girl, they said, we don't want a cent. We don't want reimbursement. I wish she was the only young girl in a church who got pregnant. I'd like to tell you about pastors who drive their daughters to the abortion clinic because they don't want their ministry to be affected. Where's the church? Where are we? One last story that you're familiar with. The Bible records a story about three young men who were taken from their country. They went into a foreign land, and there was a time when the king... Made a huge gold statue of himself, and they invited everybody to come and to bow down, worship the statue, and they were going to have a big celebration. Three young men came, and in the midst of the whole ceremony, when everybody bowed down, they they stood up. Three young men, they stood. Thousands of people bowed, thousands of people were on the ground. Three young men stood. When it came to the attention of the officials, they took those three young men, they took them to the king, and he said, what's going on here? I'll give you an opportunity to bow again. And they made a statement and said, we cannot bow. The God we serve will not allow us to bow and worship you. And he said, you realize if you don't bow, we can kill you. I will kill you. And they go, our God will protect us, but even if you do kill us, we still can't bow. The king gave them opportunity. They went out again. The next day, they heralded the ceremony, and at a certain point, everybody had to bow. These three young men, in the midst of all the people bowing to public pressure, all of them bowing to what the government of the time said, these three young men stood. We know the story. They took them. They threw them into the fire. In fact, they heated it up more and more and more, can I tell you, there are people who are trying to heat up a fire. Some of you are very aware right now, Iran has put a bounty of $3 million on any person who will assassinate Donald Trump. $3 million Iranian dollars, which came from America, in order to kill its president. The bounty is out there. They took the furnace and they stoked it up. How many times hotter? It said even when the men took and threw the three young men in, those men died from the heat. Throwing them in, they died from the heat. The three young men in, we know, inside there, all of a sudden the fourth man showed up. If you ever get a chance to listen to the message, the fourth man. The king from a distance, look, sees these guys walking around, sees another one in there, like the son of God, he said, called them out. These three men walk out, unburned, unsmoked, unstained. Their hair was still the same color. And he goes, the God you serve is the God of the universe. This king had a change of heart. He sent out to all the nations that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be served in all the nations under my control. Do you know why? Why? It was three men, three young men. Why was it teenagers when it should have been a 70-year-old who knew better in church his whole life who should have stood? Why was it three young men who stood and changed world history? I believe Donald Trump made a prophetic statement where he goes young people, college people, youth people, You are the ones that are going to change the fabric of America because the older ones, they're already sedated. Three, we have a furnace that is burning the unborn in the United States up to two million a year. Anybody know how many children in Alberta were sacrificed in the furnace last year? In Alberta, anybody know? Just under 50,000 children in Alberta. In the furnace. I believe if there was a single statement that maybe needs to be said to me and to you and to the church in Canada, it would be this. are you willing to stand? When everyone else is bowing, when everyone else is silent, when everyone else is entertained, when everyone else is distracted, are you willing to stand? Awesome, Colleen. I can't answer for you. What I do know is that every power of hell when we walk out of this building today is gonna wanna make it so we forget and tomorrow we begin the routine That went on the last year, the years before. Can I tell you, we have a pioneer in our world today, in the President of the United States of America, who is paving a way, and all we need to do is come along behind and go, I'm with you. I'm with you. And is it possible that standing could change our nation? We have never lived in days like today, we have never seen what we're seeing as we are today. I am one person, but can I tell you? In the scope of history, I want to count. You are one person. But in the scope of history, I believe God wants you to count. Kristen?
1: This topic is actually really heavy on my heart lately. Um... A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine had an abortion, and she was so hesitant to tell me because she knew where I stand. But she was also hesitant to tell me because her stepmom is a Christian who goes to pro-life rallies, and she wasn't sure if she knew if she would have a relationship with her anymore. And so passion is beautiful, and fighting for these little babies with no voice is beautiful but let's make sure we do it in a way that loves people and draws them to Jesus and not in a way that is going to push them further and want nothing to do with him
0: it's pretty close to home isn't it Judy
1: my mom always pregnant out of wedlock with me and um, I remember when I was like 13 or 14 and just understanding about what abortion and right, all that was going on in the 70s. And I remember talking to her and saying, you know, like I knew things weren't good in my family around some things between her and my dad. And I remember saying to her, um, why did you decide, like, you know, why, why did you decide to get married? And she said, because. We wanted our little girl. We loved our little We wanted her. And I remember writing in my journal this year. God was just, I, was just, I just remember giving thanks for being born. That, do you know what I mean? I had a chance yesterday. <laughs> God just works in such, I just am still processing what happened yesterday. But I actually sat for the whole day yesterday with the woman who's the executive director for Kids Cottage in Edmonton, which is an emergency nursery. for, And I don't know why God brought us together. I I haven't quite figured all that out yet. I'm still processing. But it's like when we look at, yes, stopping abortion is important. But when those babies are born, we need to be there for those moms. We need to be there for them when they're... 14 and they're hard and those moms don't know where to go and all that stuff right it's not just about them being born we have to be willing and ready to love them their whole life and make sure they've got a place to be and that are loved and accepted because we can pray for them to be born yes but then we have to. We have to support them after. We can't just let them be born and then let those mums be gone somewhere because they won't survive. And their kids will grow up dysfunctional. So there's more to this. And we have to. We just have to do something that too.
0: I wonder if that's why there is what's called the family of God. Zach, could I have you... Would you stand with me, those of you who stood? Would you stand with me again? Those of you who stood, I just want to ask you to stand with me. Would you bow with me this morning? Father, I want to thank you for the anointing that rests upon the new Cyrus who has been raised up in this generation. I thank you, Father, that his name is not by mistake, but through him you are he is trumpeting your call, your will, your word. He is changing history. I thank you, Father, that you have called us as your children in the midst of a dark and dying world to stand when everyone else is bowing to stand. And today, Holy Spirit, I ask for an anointing to fall upon every person who has stood in this place. Every person who is willing under the leading of the Holy Spirit, when everyone else is bowing to stand, to represent right, to represent you, God, to represent your word, that even if the price is a fiery furnace of people's criticism, that you will be the fourth man. We will not be alone. And I thank you as those young men stood, that their life became a testimony that changed the king's heart and nations returned to you. Holy Spirit, I believe you have been speaking this morning in this place. I ask today you would not only seal what has happened here, but Father, you would continue to speak. You would continue to lead us. You would continue to guide us. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be your children in these days. Have your way. I declare to you today what you already know. Would you all stand with me and receive the blessing? I declare to you what you already know. That the Lord has blessed you. And he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you. And he has been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you. And filled you with his peace. I declare that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everybody receiving the blessing said, Amen. Amen.